Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Primary Care Podcast. It's your boy, Dr. Mark List. On today's episode, uh, uh, we got a, a, an interesting topic, a, a minor topic, but I think a commonly asked topic. So we're going to talk about that today. But before we do, we're going to do something a little bit different than what we normally do. Um, the last episode I did, or about two weeks ago, was on my take on the meningitis B vaccine. And I got a really um, well-written, well-thought-out email um, from people with the meningitis B action product. And I, I thought it was very well written. It was very respectful. Um, and so I wanted to give them time to hear the, uh, I wanted you guys to hear the counterpoint um, to everything that I said. Um, and then I'll talk about it. So uh, this is an email from the uh, Meningitis B Action Project. Dear Dr. List, we had the opportunity to listen to the meningitis B vaccine and the number needed to vaccinate episode you released on the primary care pod and wanted to share our feedback with you. We are two mothers who each lost our daughters to meningitis B before a meningitis B vaccine was available in the United States to help protect them. Emily, 19, a college sophomore, died 36 hours after her first symptoms, and Kimberly, 17, died one week before her high school graduation. We founded the Meningitis B Action Project to ensure that no other young life is unnecessarily lost to meningitis B through a combination of education and advocacy initiatives. We appreciate that you brought awareness to the fact that meningitis B vaccine exists in the United States and that you do mention the availability of the MenB vaccine to your eligible patients. We heard your perspective on why you do not routinely recommend MenB vaccine to your 16 to 18 year old patients unless they are higher risk than average and the statistics, cost, and efficacy concerns you provided to support your rationale. While we completely while we completely understand, we also feel very strongly about the importance of every parent having the information they need to make an informed decision. They can't act on what they don't know. So for that reason, we'd ask you to at least present the option of MenB vaccine to all your patients and their parents. We hope that you consider advocating for eligible patients to receive the MenB vaccine throughout your clinical practice, even if they are not defined as high risk. The fact that 100% of all outbreaks on U.S. campuses, college campuses, since 2011 are attributed to meningitis B, that college students are five times more likely to contract meningitis B than non-college students, and that 70% of all meningococcal disease among 17 to 22-year-olds reinforces, sorry, and that 70% of all meningococcal disease cases among 17 to 22-year-olds reinforces the notion that college students may benefit from the MenB vaccine and the, as the prevalence of MenB is apparent in the college environment. Thank you for hearing our opinion on the topic, and we certainly welcome the opportunity to discuss this further at your convenience. Should you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us at info at meningitisbactionproject.org. I almost said meningitisbactionproject. That would have been, whew, okay. Um, Thank you for your time. Best, Patty Wukovitz. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name, Patty. Patty Wukovitz, uh, our registered nurse, and Alicia Stillman, uh, co-founders of the MenJSP Action Project. So um, I think that's a really, uh, I think the statement that you have, and that is um, they can't act on what they don't know. And so for that reason, we'd like to ask that you at least present the option of meningitis B vaccine vaccination to all your parents and patients. And I, I think that's really important. And that is the fact that if we don't talk about it, we can't have a discussion about it. And I, I completely, completely, um, I, again, I am, I am as pro-vaccine as they come. Uh, I'm never going to turn away a vaccine to somebody who wishes to get it. Um, 
I think uh, offering it and talking to parents about the fact that this meningitis B vaccine exists is absolutely 100% appropriate. I think it's 100% appropriate that if a parent says, no, you know what, I, I, I don't care that, you know, um, you know, the it's not cost effective or it's not a very efficacious vaccine just because of the unlikelihood of meningitis B. Um, but the fact that I want to do everything to protect my children, I think it's absolutely appropriate for a parent or a patient uh, to choose that, to, to go ahead and get vaccinated. Again, using statistics, it's probably not the best in terms of public health policy uh, to give it to everyone just from a cost uh, analysis perspective and an efficacy standpoint. Um, but absolutely, uh, I'm, I'm 100% of the agreement that shared decision-making, uh, giving information to parents uh, and patients so that they can make the best decision for themselves using everything, um, including not only the numbers, the statistics, but also um, your own personal knowledge on the topic, I think is absolutely 100% appropriate. So again, I very much appreciate this uh, email from Patty and Alicia and uh, wish them luck in their future endeavors. So with that, uh, with that very strange opening the primary care podcast, a very serious opening the primary care podcast, uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, so let's hit, the, let's hit the podcast and let's get started. The Primary Care Podcast is written and by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views of policy of my employer, past, or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Hey, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Uh, it's your boy, Dr. Mark List. Uh, it's you with another episode today. Uh, today's episode, we're going to do something um, uh, similar to something we've done before, and that is talk about uh, osteoarthritis. And specifically, uh, this article from the Annals of Internal Medicine uh, in September here, September, uh, some date in September, uh, I don't see it. Um, yep, don't see it. Okay, uh, so uh, just this last year, uh, talking about arthritis. Now, recently we talked about three big things for arthritis on this podcast. We've talked about physical therapy on this podcast. We've talked about uh, topical NSAIDs uh, recently, and we talked uh, several months ago about uh, different footwear and how you can actually get custom orthotics uh, to help uh, take the pressure off and, and offload some of the, uh, some of the pain and, and knee arthritis and how, you know, actual, um, and how actual, uh, you know, custom-designed footwear can actually make a difference in knee arthritis. And today's article, it's a, it's a double-blind, placebo-controlled, randomized control trial, okay? And it's to talk about, basically... Turmeric, and I, I, in preparation for this, actually, I, I've always, you know, I've heard about turmeric. My patients have asked me about turmeric, and I've always called it turmeric. And apparently, you can pronounce it both turmeric and uh, turmeric. So the R can be uh, can be there or not be there. Uh, apparently, more people pronounce it with the R there. So I'm going to leave the R in, but I have pronounced it turmeric. But turmeric, turmeric is also appropriate. So we're going to use turmeric. Um, and so in this, they use the curcuma longa extract, which is basically the active ingredient um, in the supplement known as uh, curcumin uh, and therefore turmeric. And the big thing with turmeric is it's always been dubbed an anti-inflammatory. And this is not a new supplement. This has been around for millennia. But just with very um, 
suboptimal uh, evidence. And this is just another building block. Now, uh, what do we know about turmeric? We know that some people uh, believe it's a uh, strong uh, anti-inflammatory, that it has a lot uh, fewer GI side effects or issues with renal dysfunction. Um, and so therefore, some patients believe it's a very potent anti-inflammatory and safer than your NSAIDs. A and that's all probably probably true. And this article um, looked at 70 people, so a very small N in Australia, um, and in southern Tasmania, Australia, actually, in a single center, and they looked at knee arthritis, and they, and they looked at knee arthritis in a couple of different ways. So they looked at the visual analog scale. So that's when you say, you know, how much pain do you have, and you have a, a visual scale, and you point to, this is about what I what I have for knee. And, and so uh, they, they took all these people um, before they put them on the turmeric or on placebo, and they said, show us what your, what your average pain score is. And they, they point to a spot. And then they have them take this uh, medication. And so they gave them uh, 1,000 milligrams of this curcuma longa, which is basically the active ingredient in turmeric. And they followed them for 12 weeks and said, okay, point to the scale again. And they also looked at MRIs to look specifically at the effusion synovitis volume, right? How much inflammation was there in the synovium? right? Is there an effusion? Is there inflammation? And, and weight that uh, in the pre and post treatment. And they matched that obviously with placebo and did the same thing. So they found a pain scale difference. Okay. So when they did this, this analog scale, uh, they, they found that, you know, 12 weeks later, people pointed and they had a pain reduction. Now, placebo also caused a pain reduction. And this is not the first time we've seen this with knee arthritis, right? If you go back to the topic of uh, the study that we did on the custom shoes, the custom footwear on knee arthritis, doing anything to the, to the shoe, even if it was sham, even if it wasn't custom molded, even if it was this, you know, kind of rocker bottom, they just slapped something on the bottom, doing something, the placebo made a little bit of a difference. The custom uh, orthotic made a, or the custom uh, footwear bottom change made a bigger difference. Okay. And, and here we see the same thing. So this is a visual scale, right? And they have a, a thousand, a hundred milligram, a hundred, oh my God, I'm butchering this, a hundred millimeter visual analog scale. Okay. So hundred millimeters, it's like a big ruler and they point to what they have. And the placebo group dropped 15 millimeters. Okay. So about 1.5 or 15% reduction, relative, relative reduction. The uh, treatment group with the turmeric dropped 24 millimeters or, you know, 24% relative reduction in pain. And so that, that nine millimeter difference was statistically significant. And again, what's the difference there? Well, I mean, it's, it's 9% absolute risk reduction. So, I mean, it's not nothing, right? There's something there. Is that clinically meaningful? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're, if your pain's an eight and you can drop it two and a half points to five and a half, uh, is that better than, uh, you know, doing nothing and staying at an eight? Or is it better to go outside and take some dirt and rub it on your knee and get a 15 millimeter uh, reduction or, uh, you know, one point, uh, drop it down to a six and a half instead of a five and a half, right? Um, so, so is it better to take this 1000 milligrams of turmeric? Well, what are the side effects? Well, uh, there was actually fewer side effects in the, in the treatment group, in the treatment arm than there actually was in the placebo arm, uh, but not statistically significant difference in uh, fewer uh, side effects. So about, about, you know, normal, about equal uh, side effects from turmeric to placebo, meaning 
not much. So when we talk about what's the downside of this uh, cost, you know, your patients could be t- potentially taking a medication that, you know, clearly does something in this. It, this is a well done randomized, you know, control trial and it's an RCT double blinded and it clearly did something. So the only thing they're going to be missing out on is really pain and or sorry, cost uh, to reduce their pain. And compared to all the other treatment options that I oftentimes put people on, you know, oral NSAIDs for knee arthritis, um, and obviously if this delays surgery. Uh, so again, I, the reason I wanted to, uh, to promote the study is Turmeric works. Uh, we've had some mild evidence that it's worked in the past, and this is pretty decent evidence. Uh, it's small N, only 70, uh, but decent evidence. Uh, so again, something that you can recommend to your patients with some actual weight behind it. You know, a long time ago, um, when I was in medical school, ages and ages ago, uh, they talked about, uh, you know, using uh, glucosamine chondroitin, and the evidence for that's pretty scant, but uh, turmeric actually has some decent evidence, and this is a, a pretty decent study. So um, again, one more tool in the toolbox uh, to have to avoid uh, opioids or oral NSAIDs if you don't have to, um, and so hopefully this is helpful for you as it will be for me. So a little bit more uh, a little bit more to work with for our general arthritis patients. Uh, so uh, that's all we have for today. We're wa- wrapping up early. Uh, I want to, again, thank for the uh, co-founders of the Meningitis B Vaccine uh, Action Project uh, for reaching out to me. And uh, I, again, I hope you guys uh, check them out if you are interested. Um, and again, uh, I don't think it changes anything I said in the last podcast, but I, I 100% agree with them. Giving patients, uh, giving uh, parents all of the information uh telling them that it exists, telling them that it is an option and telling them uh, pros and cons and all the and all the uh, uh, potential um, goods and bads associated with it. I think very, very okay. Making shared decision making is always better than just making the decision for yourself, uh, by yourself, uh, and being a team-based approach instead of the uh, dictatorial approach. Uh, And then today, I think adding turmeric uh, to our arsenal for knee arthritis uh, will be helpful in the long run and hopefully avoid um, unneeded oral NSAIDs and oral opioids. So if you uh, like today's uh, podcast, let me know. Uh, PrimaryCarePod at gmail.com with any of your feedback, uh, tips, tricks, things that you want me to talk about, articles, uh, anything else. Uh, appreciate the feedback. Appreciate the listeners. And uh, with that, we'll sign off for this week's name. Reminder, you don't need to stay up, to, stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks and have a great week.